Hitting revenue targets is hard and requires constant hustle. Last quarter's success is already forgotten. Learn the mindset and tactics of today's most successful revenue producers in B2B marketing and sales. We call this the revenue hustle. I'm your host, Tom Hessen, navigating you on this journey. Today's show is sponsored by Nine Lenses, an interactive assessment platform that enables you to add instant value to your buyers and allows your sales team to tailor business conversations focused on the pain points each and every time. Check them out at ninelenses.com. All right. This is your guest, Tom Hessen, host of the Revenue Hustle podcast. And I'm excited to introduce our next guest. His name is Patrick Hogan. Patrick, welcome to the Revenue Hustle. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate you having me here. No, I'm excited for this. Uh, so, Patrick, you are currently the managing director at CTG, overseeing the America's alliances and channels. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Tom. So uh, in my role, you know, I'm pretty much sitting between sales and solutions and trying to translate how we go to market across our solution space and how do we marry that with the partner technology that they're looking for global integrators to bring to market. Got it. Now, very clear. All right. So I'm sure we'll dig much more into your expertise in managing and overseeing alliances and channels, but Let's run with the first revenue rule. All right, Tom. Uh, my first revenue rule is understanding the behaviors and motivating factors of the sales ecosystem. And that is with internal channels as well as external channels. I think if you if you look at it, you know, information technology, software as a service consulting, it's a complex landscape. Yeah, sure is. You know, success hinges on more than just product knowledge. You know, we spend a lot of time digging into the buying patterns of our clients, but let's understand the patterns and the behaviors of those we're going to be working with to try to close these deals. Got it. Okay. So yes, I know channel execution is oftentimes challenging just given the number of organizations involved, right? And there's a lot of I guess maybe non-glamorous blocking and tackling just involved to get these products through your, you know, sales executives and so on. So tell us a bit more. How did you come to this revelation? Um, how I came to this was just what what do they say, Tom? You know, fits and starts, fits and stops, starts and stops, trying some motions, just seeing what would work, you know, seeing what would stick on the wall and what wouldn't stick on the wall. And then, you know, not having deals close at the frequency that we wanted, we took a step back and I realized, okay, got to understand the intricate dynamics of the sales uh, ecosystem. So not only comprehending those needs and challenges of the clients, but also delving into the motivations of the internal sales teams and the partner sales teams. You know, instead of, uh, you know, I look at my role as a, a matchmaker, if you will. You know, how do I take client partners from my sales organization and marry them to account executives from whether they're a hyperscaler or whether they're a distribution partner, you know, cultivating that transparency has shown to prove or provide some benefit because once you understand the WIFM, what's in it, you know, how, how is everyone gold or what, what are they incentivized on? 
that allows for more of a comprehensive understanding, allows us to align those strategies, foster collaboration, which is ultimately going to drive those results. And from that sales leadership perspective, that's revenue. But if we look at it from the customer's perspective, they're getting a, a trusted advisory from a partner perspective, and they're getting the outcomes that are helping them solve their business problems. Yes. And, and, and because it's complex, just by nature of having multiple uh, parties coming together, like how do you get to learn, like how to, you know, in your role, because you're not really part of your partner's organization and, you know, sales is kind of a partner to you in the channel function. So how do you kind of work in both of those environments, right? With both of those customers, right? Your partner customer and, and your internal sales team as customers. How do you work with them to kind of understand and match their needs? Yeah, no, great question. And actually there, there was a meeting, I think, was it today's Friday? Uh, a couple of days ago with the client partners. And I was articulating how I look at our partners and my organization. Partners are my clients. So understanding where their pain points are and asking them where they where they need help. Where do they have gaps? And then getting that intel, those quote unquote data points, you know, buzzword in the industry, we get those data points from them. Then that allows the sales organization as well as the solution teams that we work with to figure out where we need to make investments. Is it a client partner getting the right sales training? so they can speak the same language as their uh, partner on the field team. Or from a solutions perspective, does one of the solution architects or the engineers, do they need to get a certification that's gonna allow them to implement partner X technology? So where the a lot of my time upfront, Tom, is really understanding the respective partner landscape and ecosystem. Again, we talked about it's more than the product, but what's important for the partner or my client is they want to vet partners like us. Because as you could imagine, a lot of these partners, they've got thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of partners. My job and what excites me is how can I work internally and amplify our differentiation so the partners keep up, keep us top of mind. Um and you know how I'm gold by my leadership is inbound leads from partners. Well, the partners are only going to do that as best as we credentialize ourselves and vet ourselves during that porting period. I got you. You're right. So you have to <clears throat> sell yourselves, you know, your capabilities and say, hey, we're going to take your product and package these services around it. And um, in theory, that would differentiate your partnership with them than others. Right. And Absolutely. so that, that way you will get leads so to speak right from your partners to say hey uh, we've got this client need that meets like we think we need our bundled solution that you guys are providing right that's the that's the hustle got it okay so because i mean channels oftentimes two ways right you want to get leads from the, the you know the technology vendor but then you're also trying to get your own sales organization you know, to think about this, this solution as well, which is um, a whole different animal, right? So in terms of your, you know, you're talking about goaling and then the execution behind that. So your time sounds like it's spent mostly cultivating the relationship with the partner and then 
helping them understand CTGs in this, you know, your current role that you're, you're value add, if you will, or the bundled solution that you're correct enabling. So it's, it's a matter of, so the other part of the hustle, Tom, is you just hit the nail on the head. It's a two-way street in sure. the channel, you know, relationship. And the partners are only going to give us leads for so long when they say, hey, when are you going to send us some things over the wall? So to your point, so then what do we do internally? Okay, hey, client partner, from that cross-sell, upsell perspective, let's talk to other lines of business. Ask our champions, if you will, where we've sold business, where right. we have a backlog. Will they credentialize us on their behalf and go talk to one of their customers? You know, it's a virtual world right now. So you might not pass someone in the, the hallways or in the lunchroom. Sure. But if you take that mentality, if we're talking to the VP of IT, maybe their customer is the CFO. And so let, let's let's partner with that VP of IT and have them broker an introduction with the CFO or with the CHRO. Hey, we're partnering with X. This is where we've had success we think they have capabilities that could help you within your respective line of business. Right. Let's have a conversation. We bring that back to the partner and then we have our, you know, internal huddle, figure out what is that solution? What is that demo? What's that MVP look like to go see if we can get some net new activity in this account or taking those lessons learned and go get net new logos respectively. That's what gets if we go full circle, motivating behaviors, Tom, what gets partners out of bed is when a vendor like ours brings them net new logos. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And what what is more difficult from like the execution standpoint? Because again, you're executing on two sides of this equation, right? You've got to yeah. get the partner lined up and you've got to get your own sales and delivery teams, et cetera, and account leaders working. Like where, where do you start? Like where, where do you focus initial executing of the process, like you mentioned in the revenue rule? Where I start is essentially, I start with the with the partner. It's like really digging in, understanding what they need. And, you know, do they know us? You know, if we're an unknown entity, that's where the hardest work is. Because mm -hmm. we obviously have use cases. You know, we've been going to market delivering solutions across our verticals for 50, 60 years. But it's a vast ecosystem of partners. So I think the, the real part of the hustle is credentializing. And if you look at it, you know, if you're building a relationship, personal relationship, building that trust, that intimacy, and having that open lines of communication, that's probably the hardest part. But yet, as you can probably see from my personality and how I fell into this role, that's what I love to do. That's yeah. what gets me up is articulating the value prop, or if we take value and revenue out of it, it's building a new relationship, connecting right. with another human. Right, you know, right. It's the, it's the, I love it, but also there, there, there's a hard part to it too, because there is that work element involved. Yeah, yeah. Because you're always vying for mind share on there, you know, from the, your partner side, because they've got countless i don't know number of partners that you're i like how you put that i'm going to steal that yeah it's 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 vying for mindshare 100 
Yeah. And and so when you like, how do you manage that across X number of partners? I'm, I'm sure you've got like top tier partners and second tier partners. Like, how do you just manage the your own time as it relates to which which ones need investment? Uh, great question. So actually, in, in preparation for an upcoming meeting, I'm articulating that across, you know, three pillars or three columns. There's strategic, there's growth, and there's reactionary. And it goes, you know, I'm spending the most of my time on that strategic. Um, and then, you know, depending on the hot growth partner of the day or of the right. cycle, we'll focus some efforts there. And then there's reactionary. Um, and, you know, in our business, you know, ultimately we're gold on revenue. So aligning, you know, allocating revenue towards my strategic and my growth partners is pretty much how I have learned to spend my time and where to spend my time. Because I think we talked about this a few minutes ago. It's easy to get stuck in the hamster wheel chasing multiple partner motions, co-sell activities. And as I said, seeing if it's going to stick on the wall. That isn't, just from a mental health perspective, it, it doesn't do anyone any good. But it's the old adage of we can align stro uh, strategic growth and reactionary. It's working smarter, not harder, if you will. Yeah, yeah, because it, it gives a nice framework for how you and others think about the investment that you guys are collectively making, right? Because you can't give everyone equal investment, right? That, that never is... Uh, right. Never. And it's like, you know, how, we're not going to be successful if I'm exerting all of my calories on one partner whereas maybe our solutions team and our developers maybe we have a gap in that skill area maybe that's where we need to make an investment or based on our area of expertise maybe it makes sense for us to shift the balance if you will within one of those columns so it's that constant desire to have synergy across all of the functions so sales solutions and channels and that fourth dimension is also uh, uh, the partner, but then also to weaving in marketing. Okay, we have these solutions to your point. Right. We earlier, we rely on our marketing efforts to help us get leads that we could provide to our partners if you go back to that two-way street relationship. Right, 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 right. And, and how and do you how find, do you find educating your your sales teams about the, this partner solution that you guys have kind of cooked up right with your investments you've made in the technology or skills with their software etc and then you know going down phase two which is getting your sales teams and client executives knowledgeable enabled. And, yeah enabled perfect yeah yes. um so that is probably the second area of focus from the partner relationship perspective, it's developing that relationship with the partner and then really dialing in and having hyper-focus on sales enablement. Um, it's like, you know, do you want my client partner to go watch a video for an hour or 90 minutes? They're busy hustling, trying to close their book of business. What are the talking points in the messaging that they can go deliver to our clients around the product capabilities that the partners have. Um, because a lot of it, sometimes it's it's new technology right. or it's a new motion. So it's the, it's the constant laying out that training plan. And then also, you know, being transparent, again, internally with, with the client partner, 
hey, how does this product or this solution from our partner, how's it gonna help you not just meet your quota or exceed your quota? Or hey, if we look at this partner and their solution, maybe that's gonna go allow us to expand in that greenfield space that I know you're being tracked or how you're being metriced. So it's that connecting the dots and bringing them something that they can go use like yesterday as they're prospecting or as they're calling on current uh, current clients. So yeah, the enablement uh, piece is where we spend a lot of the time, to your point, once we get into phase two. Yeah, I'm just taking some notes here. No, that's great. Um, yeah, because you're right. It is it is a two-way street. And I thought you did a nice job. So it's differentiation to the partner in order for them to send you leads. And then you have to enable your entire team that is customer-facing to be able to speak intelligently to a degree that at least gets opportunities that you can channel back to the partner for net new enough to make them quote unquote dangerous. So they yeah. want to move into that statement of work or scoping conversation after the first date, if you will. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, no, that's great. So, um, and, and I, I know there's a lot of execution in, in just the mechanics, right? Cause every sales is a process, right? And salespeople, whether it be the partner their sales team selling your bundled solution or, or giving you leads or your sales team that brings leads to the partner. There's just a lot of sales process, right? About who do I call? Who do I need to get from the partner? And just a lot of like, you know, just take us for a minute into that world of just kind of mapping the process for sales. So I, you know, so the sales executive or partner, you know, knows who to send the lead to, or you know where to send the lead to, or who do I call to get help? from the partner, if I've got a live opportunity um, on the, you know, on the horn here. So that's a, that organically leads us to our second revenue rule. Okay, perfect. Um, Let's go there. Yeah. And this is where the art and science comes in, Tom. It's, you know, defining, designing, and the delivery of a tactical process is paramount for revenue growth and channel attribution. You know, channel attribution is how you know uh, uh, channel leaders like myself are 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 gold. Um, it's unglamorous if I'm being completely candid with you, um, and it can be seen as administrative. But by trade, I'm an aerospace engineer, and so as you could imagine, when three-letter agencies of our government are asking a contractor to build a new aircraft or build a new system, you already know that those requirements and those processes need to be airtight, so to speak, uh, right. because lives or other things of magnitude are at stake. So if you take that systems engineering or process nerd and apply that to the consulting world or the sales organization, that's where we have, you know, that really detailed process definition. And then after that, you know, definition, then we're designing it. But you want to design for obviously scalability and flexibility, and then ultimately deliver. So with respect to that process definition, that is the backbone of the revenue growth strategy. If people know who to send what to, or who's accountable for what, Right. That brings us what, you know, clarity, consistency, but it also gives us um, what's a, a, a benchmark, if you will. You know, it's not just about having the plan. 
But there's so many moving parts. Everyone's got to be involved internally. And to your question, externally, the partner, just so everyone understands the role in the process. That clarity, you know, it's not novel, but it minimizes the inefficiencies. It helps streamline the operations. And at the end of the day, it helps us accelerate uh, the sales cycle. Yeah, yeah. And and how have you thought about doing the, the design, right? Like you probably do it in your sleep now, but like in terms of mapping out the process, educating, right? Like maybe you say, hey, here's my here's my framework partner, right? Of how we, you know, you, know, you send the leader over the wall. Here's our, you know, give them comfort to be like, hey, here's how we can rapidly meet your, right? Because not everyone's process is the same. Not everyone's easy to do business with, right? So <laughs> that's like, for sure. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, like, how do you think about, what a good process looks like. It's the process of <clears throat> kind of having those readouts or, you know, distilling those dashboards and, <clears throat> you know, it goes back to the, the KPIs. Okay. What did we set out from a goal perspective for month one, Q1, et cetera. Um, and if we're not meeting those goals, Okay, how do we need to tweak that process? Um, so, you know, obviously I'm, I live day in, day out kind of within CRM, kind of, you know, keeping track of those things. Um, but what, what what's nice, and especially as I've been, you know, in the consulting world for these past five years, to your point about the process, really leveraging, you know, data and analytics and those attribution models so we can track the performance. So we can track the performance of the client partners. We're also tracking the performance of the, the respective channels. Um, it lets us understand what's working and what's not working. Um, and that was kind of the, that's always been the fun part is working with sales ops or biz ops or the, the, the BI team. There was lots of iterations you can imagine, but what metrics or what do we need line of sight, line of sight on right away versus having to drill down so we can run those QBRs more effectively or run those month end reviews effectively. Um, but, you know, the DNA and the dashboards, what the how I use it as a tool and what I find helpful, it's an easy way for executive leadership, whether it's vendor to client, vendor to partner, it allows leaderships at the highest level to have informed conversations and understand maybe where the business is growing and or where maybe we need to, there needs to be some mutual investments. Yeah. And, and and you mentioned in the rule is around like attribution, right? Because I think that's, that's um, obviously everyone wants to know what, okay, okay, Patrick, what did we do on the channel, right? What, what channel deals do we have? Uh, in the pipeline or what pipeline did we source this month? And and so like, um, I can imagine how that's done. It's probably a little easier to do uh, than like a marketing lead that comes in, you know, via a web form or an email because right. you're, you're you're just saying, hey, okay, this is a partner solution opportunity, right? Um, which, which, you know, but anyway, talk about how you attribute or you think about attribution or how, what is the criteria to say, oh, this is a channel deal or this is a partner deal versus, you know, one of your homegrown solutions, right? That has no partner. Yeah. Um, and so when you boil it down, Tom, you know, the, in what you're hitting on, channel attribution is about giving credit where credit is due. 
Um, and from a from a process perspective, within CRM, we have the ability to allocate attribution via a dropdown. There's a menu of partners, but if you take a step back, it's about making sure everyone knows how we're defining channel attribution. And so, uh, you know, historically, it's a little gray. Is it a marketing right. lead or is it a channel lead? And so, and, and, and I work so closely in my function as the all channel leaders with marketing. Marketing spins up a lot of campaigns that have partner attachment to it. So is it, okay, so is that a marketing lead or is it a channel lead? Um, so having those clear definitions, but if we, you know, in the simplest form, when that partner calls me or an account executive from a partner calls one of my client partners about an opportunity, that's attributed to the channel. And because the partner, going back to the WIFM, they're bringing something to us, knowing that we can deliver and provide a solution that's ultimately going to help them drive to the numbers and the, how they're being measured. So that direct line of sight, that communication and that transparency is how we have been defining channel attribution. And it's allowed us to kind of steer clear of making sure marketing gets their credit where credit is due, right. but also the channel gets credit where credit is due. Right. Yeah. And I know that's important because that's ultimately, you know, you only have so much to stand by, right? In terms of like, here's the deals, right? Anytime, I guess you're selling your... I mean, obviously you're getting partner leads, right? So that's that's like, hey, that's just they called us. Um, so that that's probably easier easier to measure than maybe some stuff that's routing internally from your sales and marketing efforts. Is that true? Correct. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and then yeah, that makes sense. So, um, and and like, how do you measure? the health of the process. I mean, you were talking about the KPIs, maybe that's just, you've got these dashboards, but um, you know, you've got goals, you, you're tracking against those goals. And is that kind of how you measure the health of any one partner? Yeah, no, great question. So I think some of the two metrics that come top of mind are the kind of, you know, the, the win loss rate, you know, once we get this qualified lead at the top of the funnel, does it get to stage three, stage four, or does it not? Or if it, as it at stage three, stage four, we've delivered the proposal where we beat on cost or did we not show up well? Do we not have the technical accuracy? So uh, close rate and then um, average uh, sales cycle. You know, how, how many days was it in the pipeline? Uh, so, you know, we've got our benchmarks. Obviously it varies, but then we boil it down. Okay, is it, we look at it, net new opportunity at an existing client. Maybe shouldn't take that long because we have those relationships. They know how we show up um, versus, okay, it might take some, what do they say? Care and feeding or some handholding of a prospect or, or net new. But those are the two KPIs that we are constantly iterating on. And then what was actually a fun exercise that came out of a recent uh, QBR internally with our EVP and our CFO was really drilling into why certain deals have been lost. What, what should we be doing differently 
again, if there's a gap, does the partner help us fill that gap or do we internally fill that gap? And I think that's the, going back to my engineering, that's the nerd or the fun part that I have is like analyzing right. that data yeah, right. to make some really major decisions that ultimately is going to allow us to grow the revenue, which is, you know, at the end of the day, the business that we're in. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, that's a great place to end revenue rule too. So tell us, Patrick, how did you get into the channel and alliances? Yeah, so... Um, in about 2018, a few years ago, it's crazy how time flies, after having done uh, program management in um, the advanced design aircraft business, I was looking for an area where I could translate the skills that I developed as an engineer and how do I apply that in a, in a, in a consulting or a sales space. Mm -hmm. um, so did my research about consulting and looked for an opportunity to start, okay, how can I apply what I've learned in a strategic advisory capacity? You know, how can I take my program management and project management product team lead skill set and go look at that and solving problems, you know, solving business problems across, you know, healthcare, fintech, startups, what have you. Um, so I was a senior consultant in an uh, in advisory services practice for a couple of years. And then uh, a, a good friend of mine at the same firm was like, hey, someone with your personality, your passion and your PM background, you should take a look at alliances. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's a leadership role and, you know, you're going to be front of the business, helping top of funnel, driving some revenue. So it wasn't, it basically, Tom, it was a nice way to get sales training by fire, not being a full-blown account executive or sales executive. Right, 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 it allowed right. me to kind of still have that play around with technology enough to be dangerous, um, but you know, also lean into the relationship management, right. relationship building passion of mine. Uh, so started off, you know, managing some data and analytics partners. And then managing some cloud partners, you know, did that for a few years. And then an opportunity came about um, where I'm at now. And they were saying, hey, we're looking for someone like you to help us build a robust partner and channel program from the ground up. Um, my engineering background was looked upon very favorably, you know, as we discussed in terms of I'm, I'm a builder. Um, leapt at the opportunity. And uh, it's been a great ride so far. Really looking forward to what 2024 and beyond are gonna uh, are gonna entail? Yeah, no, that's awesome. So, no, thanks for sharing that. Where can we follow you online? Yeah, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, Patrick Hogan's out there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at the intersection of people and technology, and uh, in my byline, uh, you can you can know me as Kenzo's dad. Uh, my wife and I have a beautiful, bouncing eight and a half month old baby boy here. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Love uh, outside of work, love to riff on sports. Uh, you know, gr grew up playing all the sports, and I think that's where kind of the relationship building or being the captain of the basketball team, or you know, really being that player coach. Looking back on this, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it's like so happy my parents did that for me, introduced me to sports, learning how to get along with the 
other kids in the sandbox. He goes, hey, some of our coworkers might or might not act like kids sometimes. And we're trying to right. figure out how we can all get along to, you know, to close a deal or build a relationship or repair a relationship. No, no, I can see how you're unique, you know, your, your personal personality, your ability to connect and communicate. And then the engineering side, you know, all fits very well with what you're doing. So no surprise, you, you are where you are. So uh, uh, maybe next time we'll have you on and we can talk about Shoei Otani's new uh, LA Dodger contract, which uh, is uh, quite interesting on a number of levels. But um, we'll have to save that one for next one time. I look forward to that one. All right, Patrick. Well, thanks again. Appreciate you coming on the Revenue Hustle. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you yeah thanks again for the invite tom this was fun looking forward to doing it again have a great right, bet thank you for tuning in to the revenue hustle this episode has been brought to you by nine lenses close more deals with interactive assessments check them out at ninelenses.com see you next time